Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I am your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, welcome into another winner's edition of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. That makes nine of those this season. That means one more win, and if you bet Notre Dame over nine wins, Start getting ready to collect your winnings, which should be a foregone conclusion based on what's left. We'll get there. I'm a couple days late getting this out, but I definitely did not have a voice, which you can kind of hear still <laughs> after this weekend, which I'll share a, a quick note because that's what you all tuned in for, right? My bachelor party weekend? Nothing about Notre Dame, Virginia. Or even previewing Georgia Tech, it was just, how did the weekend go? Why did I lose my voice? And why was I doing push-ups on a dirty-ass floor? We'll get there. But I did wait so long that the new rankings for the college football playoff came out. What does that mean? At this point, guys, at this point, the what does that mean means absolutely freaking nothing. Just wait till the end. Um, a lot of reasons, a lot of feelings as to why we should think that way. But the the simple answer is Alabama and Georgia, one and two, have to play each other. A lot of people seem to believe Georgia is good enough to beat this year's Alabama. So Alabama's gone. Oregon has to play Utah twice. A lot of talk of Utah being good enough to beat Oregon one of those times. Oregon's gone. Ohio State, people think they're really good and they should continue to win, but that would move them from 4-2 to two if Alabama and Oregon are bounced. Cincinnati, they have nobody left on their schedule to give them a, a boost of any kind, and their name it just isn't a brand name. Uh, and they still could potentially lose to either SMU or Houston. Houston in the championship game, SMU this weekend. So maybe Cincinnati bounces. Michigan, Michigan State. Well, if Ohio State wins out, like people are saying, well, then Michigan and Michigan State are going to have to lose. So there's... And then that lands you on Notre Dame. And by process of elimination, Notre Dame beating Georgia Tech and Stanford to close out the year should vault up into the top four. Something, and I I know I said it very simplistically, there's a lot of things, but three, four weeks ago, there was no way in hell I was going, this team is going to the playoffs. Now, am I saying we're college football playoff worthy in terms of talent? Do I look at us and go, yeah, we're a college football playoff team? Absolutely. Um, No, I don't. I don't think that at all. My confidence is way lower than it was in 18 or 20. But the fact of the matter is, getting there is better than not getting there. 
Okay, I know I've talked in the sense of I don't think we're good enough to be there. Does that mean I don't want us to be there? Hell no. If we get in, we get in. That's good on every turn, you know. And then put it this way: I know that the narrative talk is really only valid in media and on Twitter and other social media outlets, right? The, the, what does the narrative mean? If Brian Kelly's worried about the narrative, he, he's doing the wrong thing. So, but if you want to look at the narrative, does it really matter? If Notre Dame goes to the college football playoff and loses to whoever, the narrative will be Notre Dame doesn't belong, Notre Dame is overrated, <clears throat> Notre Dame sucks, blah, 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 right? If Notre Dame goes to a New Year's Six game and wins, the narrative will be Notre Dame won because they couldn't get into the college football playoff where they would lose if they were get to get into the college football playoff, and they're still not good. So, and if we lose a New Year's Six game, well, pff, I mean, let the floodgates open because they ain't going to stop. So, if those are my two options, and we're going to get shitted on either way, and as a dude with an iPhone and a microphone, I... I'm not in front of anybody. have to answer any major questions. I just have to deal with Twitter idiots. <laughs> I call it what it is. I have to deal with Twitter idiots. I'll take the college football playoff opportunity because at least we got there. And it's becoming more and more realistic every single day. And the only way to change narrative is to play the best and beat the best. And the only way to find that out is to be in the college football playoff. So I'll keep taking that chance. And just roll with it because, I mean, what else is there? But the Notre Dame moved up one because Oklahoma lost, which, again, leaves us where we're at, number eight. But everybody in front of us kind of has to cannibalize each other in a little round-robin way to an extent. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's that's the college football playoff minute. Not going to spend a ton of time because, while I don't agree with all the rankings and the order and – Everything else, they're still trying to start at the finish line and work backwards. Let them do whatever the hell they want because at the end of the day, the only ranking that matters is the final one. So they can they can rank them alphabetically if they wanted to. And truthfully, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does. To It's supposed to give you an idea of what to expect going forward, but it doesn't. So... Pay attention to it a little bit, but ultimately the teams that are around us and in front of us can beat each other up, no name can scoot up, and the only ranking that matters is the one at the end, and we'll see where we go. So that's where we're at. All right, let's get into Notre Dame versus Virginia. Then I will share a glimpse into my weekend. Then I'm going to preview Notre Dame Georgia Tech pretty quickly. That way I'm going to get it all out today. Because my, my week has been busy and I still don't have a voice <laughs> that much. So, let's go. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Alright, Notre Dame wins 28-3. to Now, there's some things I can nitpick. Uh, which I will. And there's some things that I can praise and there's not much <clears throat> more you can do other than praise it. And that starts with the defense. You, what else can you say? You, there's there's nothing you, more you can say about our defense other than we dominated. We did everything we were supposed to do. And especially given Brennan Armstrong wasn't playing, he 
he was leading, guys, he was leading the country in total offense. He was responsible for 425 yards a game. He alone was responsible for 425 yards a game. And that team was uh, raffling off, where the hell is it at? Uh, just uh, 500, sorry, 545 yards a game. So 545 yards a game, which ranked number one in the country. And he was responsible for 425 of those, which was number one in the country. And he didn't play. So, right there, he'd be like, Notre Dame should dominate. And I said, in my I, my pre- preview of the Notre Dame-Virginia game could have been as simple as, Brendan Armstrong plays, Notre Dame wins. He doesn't. We win by more. And guess what? He didn't, and we won by more. So, I hope you bet the Notre Dame in five, because I sure as hell did. And I cashed in on that. It wasn't a big bet, um, just because I don't need that extra stress. I was just... Watching the game, having fun. But Notre Dame only allowed 278 yards of offense to a team that was averaging 545 yards. Now, I know they didn't have their quarterback, but it is a team in the ACC. It is a Power 5 team. It is a team that's been decent. They haven't been they haven't been Duke. They haven't been some on for, you know, other conferences, but like Vanderbilt or Kansas or, well, Kansas... (laughs) Hold your horses. Kansas beat Texas. Can't throw Kansas under the bus anymore. Kansas just beat the almighty Texas. So back. We're back. They really, strippers and monkeys, man. Just stick to strippers and monkeys, UT. Because you just lost to Kansas in football. But Virginia hasn't been bottom of the barrel of the ACC. So, just because they lost their starting quarterback, you'd think they still have something. And they had nothing. Notre Dame destroyed them. They had, I could only find seven sacks on any statistic, but they announced eight sacks throughout the end of the game, so we had eight sacks. And then I guess that means we had nine tackles for loss. Uh, Virginia only averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, we just, we dominated every which direction. And it's worth noting, you want to, everybody's going to, oh, Brendan Armstrong didn't play. What about Brendan Armstrong? Well, how about this? What about um, not having uh, Myron Tangavaloa Amosa, one of our better, if not best, defensive linemen, out with the flu? What about our starting middle linebacker, Drew White, out with the flu? Is, is that is that not cool? We can't we can't talk about that because if Notre Dame loses players, that's no biggie because it's Notre Dame. You should be able to replenish those, right? You're Notre Dame, but if Virginia misses their quarterback, well, then that needs to be a talking point. And that's, I don't know, I just, it bothered me that everybody wanted to talk about what Virginia didn't have and didn't even mention, or eh, I guess it was mentioned a little bit, but we didn't have our starting middle linebacker or starting defensive end, and we still ate their lunch, which says does say a lot about Notre Dame's depth. That was very, very pleasant. Like, you know, we didn't know they were going to be out until they were out. <clears throat> they came out late that they had the flu. And I'm sitting there in a sports bar with no sound of the game going, "What? What? why don't I see number 95 or number 40 out there? What the hell's going on? And then I had to search Twitter and figure it out. But the fact that we didn't have those two guys, not to mention already not having Kyle Hamilton, and we dominated them. So... How about we give Notre Dame's defense just a little bit more credit as opposed to just saying, well, Brendan Armstrong didn't play, so there you go. That's why. They're still a good team. 
at least they should still be a good team, right? But the names that were scattered all over the statistics at the top and the box score for Notre Dame's defense was was nice. Riley Mills, two sacks. Bo Bauer filling in for Drew White, nine tackles, one and a half sacks. Xavier Watts, third on the team in tackles with five tackles. Prince Colley, true freshman, getting playing time, four tackles. It was great to see, and this was not because, oh, Virginia's a, a weak opponent or whatever. Prince Colley, and all, all the, they were playing meaningful minutes, you know, especially Watts. Watts was on the field from, from the get-go, and he was a receiver, by the way. Started the season as a receiver, and he's making plays. Uh, the defense did everything you could have possibly asked them to do. And I know they didn't have Brandon Armstrong. I get it. But still, coming out, missing guys, three captains, three starters, three very good players, one going to be a probably a top five draft pick, and dominating like that, I mean, come on. what? Praise to the defense. Marcus Freeman, you killed it. You, they were ready. And they <clears throat> they won the game. Because if you hold any team to three points, you only need a touchdown. Not even an extra point, just a touchdown. Two field goals. You don't need a lot of points to win if you're only giving up three. And then last week, we only gave up six. Now, Navy was a little bit different because it's Navy. This, year, this week was Virginia, who, again, even without Brennan Armstrong, you'd think they'd have some something. And, well... I'm curious to see if, if Armstrong doesn't play next game what Virginia's offense does, and that'll kind of tell you where Notre Dame's defense sits. I know we've had our moments with this defense, but I it's hard to argue with what they've been doing. So defense gives up three, 278 total yards of offense, eight sacks, nine tackles for largest, domination, 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 two picks. You know, great game. But... Here's where I can nitpick. Here's where I'm going to nitpick. The offense only scored 28. Now, the 25-point margin is great, grand. It's wonderful. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying it's not dominant. I don't really care for the comparisons where, uh, you know, Notre Dame wasn't as impressive as, uh, you know, Ohio State. What the, what the hell did they, was like 59-31 to 31 or so something they won in big, okay? I get it. They won big, good for them, but that's not. So did we. I mean, like so did we. Yeah, fifty nine thirty one. Ohio State won. So okay, that was against a Purdue team that Notre Dame also beat, and I. I understand you look and you go, well, it's only 28 points. It should be more. But we held them to three. And, again, if you're just looking at the box score, it it doesn't look as dominant. But I am I, – I expect a lot because, again, I've seen a lot. I've seen what its offense can do. And, yes, if uh, Buckner and Diggs don't um, screw up that uh, option with a mesh point and fumble it – it's probably 35 to 3. Okay? And if we gave two fl- here's where I'm going to nitpick. If we gave two flying fucks about putting points on the board with a minute 16 seconds ago and two timeouts 
It should have been at least 38, if not 42 to 3. Again, that's assuming the Buckner thing. But the, fine, the Buckner thing happens. Still should have been 35. I don't know how... It, how many times are we going to... We, we gave up 18 points, an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter to Florida fucking State. Okay? Now we're going against Virginia. I realized they hadn't done anything at that point. It was 21 to nothing. How can you sit on the ball there? I, I don't get it. It's still the first half. We have a whole second half to play. And I'll say it again. I've said it for how many podcasts in a row now? How many episodes? Our second half adjustments are not adjustments. There's nothing. We don't adjust. We do the same thing until it's, oh shit moment. and then, Okay, fix it. So you're just going to, eh, more points? Oh no, thank you. Oh, thanks. No, I'm good. I'm good on points, man. We're good. Thank you, though. Thank you. Fucking, what the hell, man? And didn't we learn that Jack Cohn's best attribute and skill set is the hurry-up, up-tempo, a.k.a. two-minute offense? Or in this case, it would have been the minute 16 offense. What the? That, that was frustrating, Okay. That was frustrating. My friends got to see a little glimpse because it was going well. Okay, guys? It was going really well. 21 nothing. I'm out there at a bar. It, girls are not wearing a lot of clothing serving us. <laughs> We're drinking. We're. It was a phenomenal time. So, but at the same time, I'm sitting there going, 21 nothing. Here we go. At least 24 to 28 points going into the half. What? What, what, the, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, they they had like chill out, dude. It's twenty one nothing. I'm like, you chill out. It should be twenty four at least, because there's no reason we shouldn't have gotten in field goal range for Jonathan Dora, who can nail fifty something yard field goals. But you look at the stats, and it looks great. I mean, that's that's the part of this that's like, okay, I get it. You look at the stats against Virginia. And everybody did things. <laughs> everybody participated. Cone, 15 of 20. That's nice. 132 yards. Wish it was a little bit better. He had one bad pick, which that seemed like a forced throw. I don't mind the deep shots, but, you know, you miss. he's missed some this year on open guys, and that one he decides to throw to uh, Kevin Austin, who was covered. I, I didn't get that one. Um, you know, Buckner got to throw a few passes. He he was the part of the ridiculous catch that was Michael Mayer's around the back, whatever. Guys, a, he's an animal. He, he filled up the stat sheet, seven for 84 and a touchdown. And he made some great catches during the game. Super impressive. Uh, Kyron Williams leads the way with 70 yards rushing on just 14 carries. It would have been nice to see him run wild for no other reason other than Heisman attention. The, the guy deserves it. But how do you go? You, you need to rush Kyron more, and he ran for 249 yards as a team and 6.6 yards a carry. That's because Logan Diggs went off. Or, I mean, didn't go off, off, but nine carries, 64 yards. He averaged seven yards a carry. 64 yards and a ridiculous highlight reel run which is going to be the the picture I post along with this on Twitter, where he I've I've heard so many different descriptions of this uh, hurdle. 
And if you haven't seen it, please, please do. Um, my non-Notre Dame listeners, Casey the Beef Cregan, who will get another shout-out here in a few minutes. Uh, Marty Coleman. Uh, Locks, if you're listening. Go look up Logan Diggs Hurdle. I'm pretty sure that'll pull it up. I haven't even checked. But he, he did like a... Well, first of all, he, he broke a tackle, which should have been a, like a three-yard loss. Breaks a tackle. Then stiff arms a guy. He, I tell you what, the guy's paying attention. He's like, well, that's what Kyron does. I'm going to do the same thing. Watch this. And then he hurdles the defender, but not in the sense of like running track. He like did a, a Dukes of Hazard hood slide or like a baseball slide almost down this guy's back. Or as I heard one, it was like he had a pair of skis on and jumped and put his feet to the side to get over, like, a jump. It was really cool, and it was nice that it happened not to us because Najee Harris made us look kind of silly in that Rose Bowl. So when we returned the favor to Virginia, Logan Diggs looked like a badass. He had some great runs. He's elusive. I... It's going to be interesting next year to see how they use Diggs and Tyree. You thought, like, oh, Kyron Williams... He's going to be awesome, and he is. He had how many broken tackles on Saturday? He's I haven't watched but maybe three, four, five games in its entirety other than Notre Dame. I've watched a lot of football. I'll watch a drive or two, then flip the channel, then come back, so I missed some stuff. Watching from start to finish, outside of Notre Dame, maybe five games. You can't tell me that Kyron Williams doesn't have the most broken tackles in all of college football. Like, I'd be shocked if he's not the leader in broken tackles in all of college football. And he did it again. He continues to do it. And, you know, the, the run that he scored uh, his touchdown on, the announcers pointed out multiple times because they kept referring to it because it was such a great run. He stopped. He got the ball, took like three steps, came to a dead stop behind the line. And then, boom, darted out, broke a tackle, Spun around, juke, like just whatever he needs to do to to get yards, he does and keeps his balance, putting his hand down to the ground, and always falls forward. It, whoever he ends up in the NFL, uh, I I might, you know, I, I I love Chase Claypool, so I, I love seeing him do well for the Steelers. I don't know where Kyron's gonna go as long as it's not the Cowboys, the Eagles, or the Washington football team. I'm fine with wherever he goes, and I will enjoy watching him play football. So he's he needs to get more Heisman love. Uh, I saw what uh, Kaisman Williams, that that'd be nice. But he needs to put up more bigger statistics to start getting that love. If you watch him play, you can see it. But if you're only looking at stat sheets, it's not he's not going to fill it up because he started the season so slow behind the offensive line. But he was doing everything. In fact, of his 70 yards, 67 of them were after contact on Saturday night. If that doesn't tell you everything, right there. And the other fun part, we threw Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsey. Very fast, very elusive, great receivers. Ran a couple reverses or jet sweeps, whatever you want to call them, with those guys. Lorenzo Styles went for 37. Could have been more and a touchdown, but we got a holding call. But he went for 37. And Braden Lindsey went for 31 on his reverse. If we're running those and getting 30 yards a pop and using them appropriately and timely, yay, Tommy Reese! Yay, Tommy Reese. Fill up that bingo card with those plays, please. Loved it, loved it, loved it. 
you know, and, and Buckner came in and he did did his, his traditional uh, running of the football, and that that was that's one thing I can nitpick too. I he came into the fourth quarter and it was I was like, all right, sweet, play the whole fourth quarter, and he did, but it was just so safe. I know we got down and almost scored. I get that, um, but then the second possession was just so uber safe. I mean, it was already safe to begin with, but again, you know, uh, locking yourself in mom's basement is is safe also, but you're not going to accomplish anything. That much I can promise you. So, but the everybody was involved, guys. Um, I just everybody just mentioned rushing the ball. Those were runs. Chris Tyree obviously got some some playing time, but Mayer. Mayer was great. Kevin Austin had a great touchdown catch. Uh, you know, Lindsey was involved. Uh, Mitchell Evans, I know it was a short pass, but he showed some elusiveness. Uh, it it looked good. I just, it should have been more points. This defense was not good at all. At all. Terrible. It, it should have been more points. And I just, you know, I, I don't get, like, everything was looking great. Uh, yeah, I know we the fourth down on the first drive wasn't ideal. I don't know why you don't give it to Kyron Williams. They did the second time they went forward on fourth down. Um, just here and there, some play calls weren't, I guess, the best in my opinion. But then other times it was play calling was fine. Execution wasn't perfect. But aside from all that, what drove me nuts was that Drive to end the half. You have to, like, if, let's just fast forward just for fun. We do make the college football playoff. And we're the four seed and we're playing Georgia. And we're up 21 nothing with a minute 16 to go. Are you going to sit on the football and be like, oh, yeah, we're good. We are so good. No more points necessary. Like, I just... I, and I feel like that was a, that would be a good opportunity to work on that too. Like this is a bad defense, and I'll say this because we got a couple coming up, and I'll, I'll talk about Georgia Tech here shortly. Going against a bad defense isn't the worst. Like you can learn things, you can practice things, you can build confidence. Because I assure you, you know the defense too. So they didn't have Brendan Armstrong. Do you really think the offense and defense? After this game is going, yeah, I know we played really well, but like they didn't have Brandon Armstrong. So, yeah, we played good, but I'm not that confident because they didn't really have their best guy. Fuck no. They're like, dude, we sacked that motherfucker eight times. We got two picks. We kicked their ass. That builds confidence. The offense is sitting there going, we ran for 249 yards. They couldn't stop us. Let's do it again. You get that confidence. So I don't know why... You wouldn't build the confidence against a team that obviously couldn't stop you with a minute 16 left and go down the field and get more points. It didn't make sense to me. And I could somewhat see the, the final drive. You're obviously not going to do anything. And we, we fumbled at, at the goal line. But it just... I The lack of aggression just still exists. And it's I don't get it. And I don't like it. It, the teams that are winning the whole damn thing are aggressive and do put up the points 
and it's not in a disrespectful disrespectful way. They're not doing anything that screams you. Oh, okay, that was you're running flea flickers and you know double reverses and whatever. Like no, you you're running your offense. Try and stop me, but we don't. We close the playbook and run elementary school stuff, and I don't get it. It's frustrating. It should have been more points, but again, twenty five point win. Uh, we covered the spread times five, so it's hard to argue with a lot of that. Just, I still don't like this playing not to lose. I've been saying it all season. Play to win the game. And I get that we won, and we won big. But, you know, what? it's kind of like when you, you do certain, you develop habits. And I just feel like, we take our foot off the gas way too easily and quickly, and it, that that becomes habitual. And you know, I want I want to see them go balls to the wall all game. You know, just keep bringing it. But at the end of the day, we won twenty eight to three, and that was excellent for me because full disclosure, after my little. What are we doing at the end of the half? We're up 21 nothing. I didn't pay that much attention to the second half. I mean, I did, but I didn't. It was on TVs no matter which direction I looked. But I was at my bachelor party. Just, we had a full 120-ounce thing of beer that you just turn the spigot and fill up your cup. And that was happening... We started with Irish car bombs. That was phenomenal. By the way, though, if you ever get an Irish car bomb at Ojos Locos, um, you're in for a fun little surprise. Because they put, I don't know if they were trying to save on the Guinness or what, but they basically gave us a six-ounce glass that was like maybe half full. The shot glass barely fit in there with the Guinness. And... It didn't quite taste as as chocolatey and as refreshing as it usually does. But it did go down quite nicely. And it was enjoyable. And there were six of them being had. And that was awesome. But I do think if they were... I think they don't have Guinness on tap. So they were going in cans or bottles. And they were trying to minimize the usage. So <laughs> they poured a little bit of Guinness in each little cup. But hey, that was a good time. But I got to... Talk to my buddies and my friends and my brothers. I got to enjoy the hell. That was the most relaxing second half of the season, and you can't deny it. It can't be denied. Being up 21-0 at the half makes for a great night. So I did have to rewatch the second half at home and you know, see that how much we sat on the ball like we were trying to berth it. Just just go. But I enjoyed the hell out of my night. It started at golf. So here's my little bachelor party. Quick little rundown. Started at 10 a.m. Drinking beer. Played golf. Shot an 88. Birdie number 18. I mean, could the day get off to a better start? I submit that it cannot. Then came back. My soon-to-be wife was setting up on our house for her bachelor party. There was already a margarita machine. Margaritas, let's do it. So I had a couple margaritas. 
Then we end up at Ojos, do some Irish car bombs. We're drinking more beer, shots. Shout out to Casey the Beef Cregan, a.k.a. from Sluggo, on Twitter. My buddy, thank you so much. I'm sitting there at the bar, and I just get a text. It says, check your Venmo on me. I was like, what? So this dude Venmoed me money to get shots because he couldn't be here. Because he couldn't. I'm kind of upset in a way. He couldn't make the quick drive. I mean, he's only in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And I'm in Corpus Christi, Texas. I don't see what the problem is. I mean, we're both by water. One's the Gulf, one's the Atlantic. I don't... It doesn't seem that far to me. I looked on a map. It's maybe five inches. I don't get it. No. Uh, but thank you, Casey, so much. That was <laughs> was freaking awesome. We had fun with that. Um, and then I went with my best friend down here, who was officiating my wedding, who will not watch a Notre Dame game with me unless push-ups are being done for every score that Notre Dame has. We've been doing it since the first game I watched with him. And he he doesn't say it to say it. He participates. Man is, I don't even know how old he is now. I think he's 60, maybe 61. Met him years ago and through bowling and golf and been best friends since. But we are both, I don't know how clean or dirty the Ojos Locos floor is, but that didn't stop us. And we both did 70 push-ups. 7 plus 14 plus 21 plus 28. We knocked them out. And I don't remember washing my hands after any of those. And still just going back, drinking beer and everything else. I did wash my hands when I went to the bathroom. But I didn't go out of my way to go to the bathroom after doing push-ups on the floor. But hey, that's what bachelor parties are for, right? And the reason I don't have a voice combined with... I don't know how much beer was drank so far through this point in the story. But after all, it's Locos. We ended up at a karaoke bar called Sing Bar. And some say that they went and sang karaoke. I say I went and yelled karaoke. I can't sing, but damn it, did I yell into a microphone. And I lost my voice apparently doing it. As Tina would say, my soon-to-be wife, I am a performer. I'm not a singer. And... Ain't that the truth. Uh, definitely had some fun. I had a microphone. I jumped around. We did a little... I, I fought for my right to party. That's one of my go-tos. Beastie Boys, shout out. Did Baby Got Back? Because my baby does have back. And that's a fun one. But we had a blast. It was great. And I appreciate all the love I got from all different angles on Twitter. And if you're new to the show, you can find me on Twitter. At... Five foot nothing pod. And you'll see more Irish car bombs to come, guys. Probably just me participating, not everybody else. But it was a great bachelor party. I had an awesome, awesome weekend. I recovered all day Sunday. And I wanted to do this yesterday. Monday was never happening. My voice was was so hoarse. Wanted to do this yesterday. Still didn't feel like... I didn't know how I was going to go on and if I need to yell or whatever like how's my voice gonna sound but at this point it's Wednesday we gotta do this <laughs> sit on the pot or get off or shit on the, what is it shit or get off the pot there you go so but because I did wait I also want to preview Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech which this is not gonna take that long 
It's pretty crazy. I'm going to get through a recap, a bachelor party, and a preview in maybe under 45 minutes, which is really good for me. That would be perfect for your drive, Jimmy. Perfect timing for your driving to work. But uh, so Notre Dame, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. Notre Dame's a 17 point favorite. I'm not betting this one, guys. I don't. I don't like big spreads. Not that I don't think we can win by 17. I do think we will win by 17. You know. And real quick, I called the uh, Notre Dame game. I said I was gonna. I said I called it. I predicted 45 to 21. Because I still felt like Virginia had some kind of offense, and we had more than enough to score points, and we could have been around the 42 range, you know. But they just didn't have any offense. But I was only one point off on the spread, and that got me a shout out on the G Irish podcast, G apostrophe Irish podcast. Go check those guys out. They're very analytically driven. I'm not so much with the analytics because I see things and then I look at the analytics and I go that nope not nope that doesn't make sense so I'm not big on analytics some are valuable some I kind of write off but they do a good job go check them out they give me a shout out on their show because I called the spread but that's what they had to do everybody's score prediction had Notre Dame in the 40s and Virginia Tech scoring double digits at least so Thank you, guys. Mike and Brett, appreciate the shout-out on that. Uh, go check them out. But, okay, Georgia Tech. Notre Dame's a 17-point favorite. I won't bet it. I do think we'll win by more than that. My prediction for this game is 40-17. to 17. That's where I think this game can end up. But I'm not going to bet it because I don't like... Anything can happen. Anything can happen, and I just... Two touchdowns and a field goal just doesn't... I'm uneasy already. Because if it's a low-scoring game at half, it just Notre Dame is a 17-point favorite, I think we'll cover it. Leave it at that. But here's the thing. Georgia Tech is 3-7. and seven. Their only wins have come against Kennesaw State, North Carolina, which was, at the time, whoa, look at this. Turns out North Carolina sucks. Um, they've... In my opinion, looking at statistics and whatnot, North Carolina has changed their offense. They've just strictly 100% gone through Sam Howell. I mean, they were kind of doing it already, but they really went all in with that. But Georgia Tech's three wins are Kennesaw State, North Carolina, and Duke. Like, that right there tells you they're only beating bad or overrated football teams. But they are putting up points. They do score 27 points a game. And the only time they uh, scored single digits was against Clemson. And Clemson's got a really good defense this year. Clemson's problem is they don't have an offense. Um, which is crazy. They only scored... Four, Clemson beat Georgia Tech 14-8. to And this de Georgia Tech defense is not good. They are giving up 31.7 points per game. You know, in, they've... Lost games, uh, giving up 52, 48, 33, 41. It, they gave up, well, I guess Virginia isn't the best because they had Brandon Armstrong during the game, but 48 to Virginia, 41 to Boston College, 52 to Pitt. And I know Pitt's been pretty good. They've Kenny Pickett, all that. But they're giving up points, and I 
having seen what our offense can do, there's no reason we can't also score 40 points. So, then you just, you kind of dive deeper into this Georgia Tech team, and it, I don't want to say this, they're easy to stop, but they only winning three games against less teams. They allow 31.7 points. They only score 27. And their offense is two guys. Their offense is two dudes, Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs. Now, Jeff Sims didn't play last week. I could not find anything regarding his injury. Don't know why he didn't play. But he's their quote-unquote freshman quarterback. He was a freshman last year, but because of COVID, still classified as a freshman. And, you know, he he kind of makes, makes their offense go because he's their quarterback. And their offense is good enough for 401 yards per game. Only ranks 63rd in the country, but it's better than what Notre Dame's average yards per game is offensively. They pass for 217, and they run for 184. The 217 is kind of low, but Jeff Sims is their second leading rusher. So they're they're more of a, I'd say they're a run first team, but Jeff Sims is super athletic, and I just don't think they have the guys in the receiver position to make use of his all-around ability. So they look to run. But here's the thing. Jameer Gibbs is their leading rusher and leading receiver. And he is leading the country in all, or I think he's second. I take it back. I think he might be second. But in all-purpose yards. He also returns kicks and punts. But Jameer Gibbs is responsible for 168 yards per game right now. All-purpose yards. And between rushing and receiving on the year, he's averaging like 120 a game. He's got over a thousand, over 1,100 yards in rushing and receiving combined. 687 rushing, 469 receiving, and six touchdowns. Gibbs is their guy. It's not like we've never seen this before, to a degree. I mean, it's not the same as USC and Drake London or North Carolina and uh, I want to say Sam Howell, but I'm thinking of outside the quarterback, U- USC and Josh Downs. So, like, it's compared maybe even Purdue and David Bell. But we know what it looks like when they want to force feed one guy. Well, I don't see why we wouldn't stop it. I really don't. We're better than them across the board. And Virginia t- Virginia's team had talent. I know they didn't have the best quarterback under center. But they had guys that could play the game. And we didn't have all of our defense, and we stopped them. Um, ideally, all not Kyle Hamilton. His knee is still not right. But the guys who are out with the flu should be back. And they're... Well, Drew White and Bo Barrow. Bo Barrow was impressive. But MTA coming back, as opposed to uh, uh, Asafa Menza starting... Not that Mosafa Menz is not bad. He's a good player, but MTA is much better. So I I don't see how this offense is going to do anything spectacular against our defense. And it's at home. It's senior day. Let's, Let's go out with a bang. Let's get it done. Because we can stop we can stop them. I I firmly believe our defense is good enough to stop what they want to do. That's why I, they're only going to get, they're going to be under 20, okay? We're giving up 20.5 points per game. We're going to stay under the 20, and we're going to lower that number 
again this week. That's that's a prediction I, I feel very confident about. I'd like to think we'll get to 40, but like I said uh, last week, when I, I predicted Notre Dame 45-21, I bet we could get to 50 if we wanted to, and guess what? We could have gotten to 40-something. We, we literally, You literally chose not to do it. So whatever. I Maybe we don't even get to 40 because we're, we're going to be up what 30 to 17 and just be like, eh, thank you. Thank you all. Excellent. No problemo. And you know what would be funny? If we did stick to that score, we wouldn't cover the spread, and that's exactly why I won't, wouldn't bet Notre Dame on the 17. Because we, we play not to lose. It's a frustrating little combination. But their defense, guys, here's why I say we're going to win and it's going to be fun. Their defense ranks 114th in the country. Not quite as bad as Virginia. <clears throat> Remember, <laughs> Remember, Virginia was 124th. At 501 yards a game, or 502, 502. It's like 501.8. Um, <clears throat> this defense gives up 469 yards per game. And 179 of it on the ground, and 290 of it on the in the air. So, their overall defense ranks 114th. Passing defense ranks 125th. Rushing defense ranks 91st. There's no reason we shouldn't do exactly what we did last week, this week. Like, I know it's not as bad, but, I mean, come on. It's pretty damn close. And again, just because they're bad doesn't mean you can't use it to build confidence. doesn't mean you can't use it to to learn from and build upon. And I don't want to totally disrespect Georgia Tech and how their defense appears to be, but, like, we can practice things. We can work on some stuff, you know. If we get up again big... Let's let Tyler Buckner run the full offense. Do, do pretend it's the first quarter. Like men, mentally, like call plays as if it's the first quarter. And you know what? I don't give a shit if uh, Georgia Tech says something. Guess what? We got a true freshman quarterback, and we're trying to work on some stuff. And we we gain nothing by having him hand the ball off to Logan Diggs, who has already proven to be a damn fine running back. We learn nothing from that. We already know what. Diggs can do. We've seen it a hundred times. Maybe not a hundred times. We've seen it 50 times. And he just hurdled a guy last game. We're good. We need to see what Buckner can do. Let him throw the motherfucking football. And not little dump-offs and the, the receiver does the rest of the work. I want to see him actually throw some passes. Especially if we're up big. You know, yeah, the fumble at the goal line between him and Diggs sucks. But guess what? He's He's got to learn learn and figure shit, shit out that you can't get in practice. Him and Diggs are going to be doing it next year a lot. Let them work on that. But at the same time, that's just a, a Diggs thing. Let's also let Buckner throw the ball to, oh, I don't know, maybe Deion Colsey. How about Lorenzo Styles, who he'll be throwing the ball to for the next two to three years. I mean, we got to think forward. We're Especially if we're going to win like I anticipate us winning against Georgia Tech. Let's take advantage of what this team is giving us the opportunity to do. If you see it from Jack Cohn, all right, we've seen it from him. Let's see it from Tyler Buckner. And again, it's going to give everybody on the roster confidence moving forward into Stanford and then into, we don't know. Is it New Year's Six? Is it a college football playoff game? Who knows? But all you need from your team is confidence. 
Well, that's not all you need. But it's one of the things that is very crucial and important. And by just keep going and going and going, you're building that confidence. We're winning. We're being successful. We're, we're doing it. So that's what I want to see. I don't want to see this play not to lose crap. I'm over it. Play to win the game. Stop Gibbs. Stop Georgia Tech. And maybe stop Jeff Sims a little bit because he can run. And we know how that works out. And hopefully he's a little bit more tackleable than Sam Howell, who is untackleable. I'm going to keep saying those words. They're not words, but I'm using them. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited for another Notre Dame win. We get to 10, and we can tell everybody who said Notre Dame won't win more than nine games to go fuck themselves. I find your language offensive. Because Notre Dame got to 10 for the fifth consecutive season. That's going to happen. So, all right, guys. That's that's all I got. Notre Dame's, my, my, my score prediction is 40-17. to 17, And we're going to get our 10th win. I hope we have good things to talk about after next week in terms of where Notre Dame falls in the college football playoff because there are games this weekend that do make a big difference in where Notre Dame will end up. Michigan State plays Ohio State. Kind of a big deal. Arkansas plays Alabama. I don't know if Arkansas can beat them, but they're not exactly pushovers. And Utah plays Oregon. The Utah-Oregon and Ohio State-Michigan State. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan State, we're moving up at least one spot. Because one of those teams has to lose. It's part of the rules. So we'll see what happens. But thank you all for listening. Again, if you're new to the show, I hope you enjoyed it. You can find me on Twitter at five foot nothing pod. You can shoot me an email if you'd like, five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. And if you guys got any bachelor parties coming up, let me know. I'll do a shot for you, with you, whatever. Um, all right. Thank you for tuning in. Until we talk again, go Irish. Beat Yellow Jackets. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.